when you go in uh, to see the dentist or, you know, or a doctor or any medical professional, you know, when you go into their office, they usually have on the wall their credentials, where they went to college, where they, uh, and then the fact that they're licensed with the state to practice, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if you knew that, but um, I always read it because I want to know, where did he go to college? Did he get his degree online? You know, it's kind of funny, a dentist getting his degree online, if you think about it. Not funny? No? Not funny at all? Really? Uh, <laughs> making sure that he's licensed, you know? Well, imagine going into a doctor's, like a specialist, you know, like a surgeon. He's going to take something out. And, uh, you know, you go into his office and there's nothing on the wall. You know, it's the pre-op sort of meeting. He's going to tell you how he's going to pull out one of your kidneys. And um, there's nothing on the wall. And you ask him, well, hey, where did you go to college? Where'd you go to, where'd you go to med school? And he says, well, I didn't go to med school. You didn't go to med school. Well, we're, how did, well, what's the deal? Oh, I'm self-taught. Oh, you're self-taught. You're going to pull out my kidney. We'll see you later. I mean, you wouldn't really, it would make sense that you would walk out, right? I mean, I'd like to know what kind of grades they got in med school, let alone the fact that they graduated. I'd rather go to a guy with, who got A's than C's. No offense. C's do get degrees. So do D's. But... I'd still rather go with the A's, but imagine nothing, right? Well, that piece of paper is more than a piece of paper, and the reason why they hang it on the wall is because it, you know, it exemplifies their authority. They have the authority to practice, you know, not just that they graduated med school, but then also that they can practice medicine in, you know, within the state, or, or a lawyer that can practice law. It's illegal, right, for a lawyer to practice law in a state that he's not licensed. Same thing for me. I mean, I, I got all these degrees, and I guess I could hang them up. I think they're in a closet somewhere. But, uh, you know, I got all these degrees that say that I can teach theology anywhere and all that stuff. Um, and I guess I could hang those up. And it would be an example of, well, okay, Father has a particular authority to teach, you know, on, on theology, specifically moral theology. Um, authority, then, is sort of delegated. You know, it's given to us from somewhere else or something else. So the, the state or, and or the med school, you know, gives the authority to a, to a physician to practice. Uh, the same thing with a licensing board for a, for a lawyer. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but you understand what I mean. For a priest, you know, it's actually, it's just kind of a plain letter. You know, Bishop Olmsted has appointed you as administrator of, you know, this parish. There it is, you know. I could have brought it, but it's very underwhelming. Um, but it's from his authority that I would have this assignment, okay? And then by extension, um, it's the authority that Christ has given me through my ordination. Same thing with the bishop. He gets his authority through his, uh, his being appointed by the pope as a bishop. And then through the, you know, if he hasn't yet become a bishop, uh, through the bishops who consecrate him as a bishop. And same thing with the Pope. Where does he get his authority? Through the election of, of the, the cardinals, right, who elect him as Pope. So authority is always delegated. When you look at uh, the authority of the state itself, right, the, the state, at least in a democracy, our leaders, you know, gain their authority by their election, their representative 
you know, representatives of us. We are the ones who actually give them their authority uh, to enact laws and, and uh, be so busy in Washington solving all kinds of problems. Let that just sit there. Um, but if you extend it even further, um, all authority ultimately comes from God. So theologically, we would say of a state or a government that any of the authority that they exercise should always, they should always understand that their authority is also a delegated authority that comes not just from the people, but also from God. So God delegates authority. In the first reading, he did it with Moses. Right? We, we're, we're hearing about Moses, and then the, the Lord is going to raise up prophets after him. Uh, but Moses had been given his authority by God to be priest, prophet, and king, to offer sacrifice, to speak God's word, and to rule the people. And what we find then is as time goes on, those three functions are split. They're split apart. And so then you have a separate group of priests who offer sacrifice and a separate group of prophets who will preach God's word. And then, uh, you know, of course, a king will be appointed after the people um, actually ask the Lord for a king. And then a king will be anointed. And then with Jesus Christ, those three uh, ministries are brought back together. And so in Jesus, we, the reason why we're always comparing Jesus and Moses is because Jesus is also the new Moses who reunites his priestly role, his prophetic role, and his, his kingship role. Now, what was it about the scene that we hear about in the gospel today why the people were saying he teaches differently? They were astonished. They were astonished at his teaching. See, what would happen is uh, once, a, once a young man was old enough and he had learned enough about Scripture, he could, in the synagogue on, on the Sabbath, he could get up and teach about the Scriptures. That was a very common thing. Um, it's just kind of, kind of what would happen. And so the Lord this day gets up and begins to, to teach about Scripture. But there was something different. You know, we hear him com compared to the scribes. There was something different. What well, would be different? Think of it this way. If Jesus got up and was preaching now instead of me, it would be different. You know, now how would it be different? Well, think of it this way. The Lord Jesus is the one who inspired the scriptures. So when he's preaching about the scriptures, he, he's preaching about what he did. He's preaching about himself. You know, when I preach to you about Jesus, I'm preaching about God. The things I've learned about God, the things I know about God, the things I've been taught about God, you know, and, and maybe I've experienced about God. I'm teaching you about, you know, sort of this, de in a way, this delegated authority. I'm teaching you about things I've learned. But Jesus is teaching about things he has always known from the beginning of time. He's teaching about books he inspired about things were written down that were written down that, that prophesied about him, about the coming Messiah. And he's teaching the people in a whole new way, not just knowing about something, but being the one who actually contributed to the, the something being written down. The scriptures are about him. And so when he speaks of the scriptures, it's a different experience, totally different experience. Imagine God speaking, you know, about himself to us. We only get very small glimpses of that in our prayer. And the people are astonished. They're just blown away. 
And then one of them happens to be possessed by a demon. And the demon recognizing God, which is very interesting. I don't know if you, if, if you just think about, think about this as you hear the scriptures or you read the scriptures, that the demons always know who Jesus is. The people don't. You know, the scribes, the Pharisees, they, they didn't think Jesus was God. The demons always knew. They always knew. They knew exactly who he was. And they pointed him out because they knew that he was their principal threat. Because they knew that he would drive them out. They knew that he had authority. And so one of them, you know, starts to convulse a man and speak through a man. Claiming to know who Jesus is. And the Lord Jesus silences him and drives him out of the man. He heals the man. And again, the people are exceedingly astonished. I mean, that's amazing. Not only was this man, Jesus, speaking about the scriptures as though he knew them in in a way that nobody else could ever convey, but then he fulfilled the scriptures by healing the man right there in the synagogue. So Jesus is talking about the Lord God healing his people and saving his people. And then a man himself stands up or begins to convulse as ill with a demon possessed in some way. And the Lord Jesus drives him out. So not only does he talk about what God is doing, about what Jesus himself is doing, but then he does it. This is something that I could never do. Because I don't do anything on my own authority. It's not anything you could do. Because you don't do anything on your authority either. I don't celebrate the Mass on my own authority. And it's not even me who offers the sacrifice. I mean, physically it is. But theologically, it's Christ within me who offers the sacrifice. It's Christ who forgives your sins in the confessional. I say the words, but it's it's the action of Christ. I'm merely a vessel. Right? Just like all of us are. We're imperfect vessels of God doing perfect things through us. Namely, his sacraments, right? And, and raising up a family for him. And so here's Jesus preaching about what God does and what God is doing, namely himself. And then he actually does it. And for us tonight then, what we have to remember is that when we're coming to Mass, we're not just learning about what Christ may or may not do. We're learning about what he is doing now. That Jesus right now is saving us. That right now he is transforming us through the sacraments. That right now he is making us holy. Which changes the way we look at everything. You know, you look at the hardships we have in life, the difficulties we have in life, the, you know, the the things that don't go our way. And there's a million of them, it seems, all the time. And we wonder, how is God at work in this? God is at work. He is doing it now. And so maybe you need that misfortune. Maybe you you need that suffering. Maybe I need that sacrifice or suffering. Maybe that's what we need to progress in our holiness and salvation. But we cannot forget that God is actively manifesting himself now within each one of us so that we can grow with him so that we can be perfected, so that one day we enjoy his company forever. Please stand.